How you guys doing today? You doing good? Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Drew Lang. I am the youth pastor for Golfside Church. If you're a youth, holla! <laughs> no one ever does that, and that's why I do it. Uh, man, I'm so excited to be given the opportunity to speak here today. But I just want to let you know, uh, just got to let you come into my little world right now. Uh, I've had a massive change. Uh, I've stepped over the threshold. Things are now new. I'm so excited. You might be wondering what happened. I'm a dad. Yeah. I don't know what I did, but I did it. Uh, <laughs> But it's not even just a boy or a girl. I'm actually a dad of twins. Like, I, and I know, like, shocker. <laughs> My wife is amazing because she did most of the work there. But uh, I just want to show you a few photos. So if we can put up that first photo, look at these two. Oh, they are so cute. And I'm not just saying that because they're my kids. I'm saying that because they're the cutest kids. Uh, and if we can put up the second photo, too, look at them. Like, th thank you for the awe. It makes me feel better as a parent. And then... One more photo. Now, I like this photo the most because I think it describes them very well where uh, Ryder's the boy and he's like, man, I just love my sister so much. And she's like, get the heck away from me. <laughs> this is Reese as well. So Ryder and Reese, uh, I did not name our kids because I'm not that creative. Uh, my wife is very creative. Now, I've learned a few things about being a dad for 15 days, okay? I've learned two things very important. First and foremost... Women, you are incredible, and wow. Um, I could never do what you guys do. So props to you. Thank you for being amazing, because I can't do it. Um, and secondly, and most importantly, kids change your life. Like, utterly change your life. All the parents know exactly what I'm talking about, and I don't even fully know what I'm talking about, because I've only been a parent for 15 days. <laughs> but the main thing I've learned is sleep I thought I didn't have enough sleep beforehand. That's not true anymore. Like, I've been getting so little sleep, but don't worry. I'm good today. I got a full 40 minutes. I'm super excited. But I've learned that, like, when kids come into your life, everything changes, okay? Everything you expected, everything that you planned out no longer applies because you have, well, for me, I have two little kids, and everything revolves around them. So your work schedule, are the kids ready to go? No, you're not going. Are the kids ready to eat? No, you're not leaving. Everything revolves around these kids. Now, I've learned something else too, and I'm just going to be completely honest here. Uh, as, a, as a pastor who has been uh, a follower of Jesus for many years, I've never fully understood the love of a father. Now, I don't mean like it physically, okay? Like, my dad loves me, I love my dad. I, I get that. And I understand that God is our father in my head. And I know what that's supposed to look like, but I've never, like, truly felt those emotions, partially just because that's not really who I am, okay? I'm a, I'm a pretty direct, less emotional person. But that first photo was taken 10 minutes after the kids were born. And as I'm holding these two kids, I'm like, wow, I will do anything for these kids. I, I, will, I will provide whatever I can. I want them to feel safe insecure. I want to do anything for these two little human beings here. These two little blessings. And in that moment, I think I, for the first time in my life, I realized what it means to have the Father's love and how that works and what that means to us. So today we're going to be talking about that. Uh, so our scripture today is Galatians 4, 4 through 7. If you don't have the scripture or you don't have a Bible, don't worry. I got it on the screen. So we're all got it. So Galatians 4. But when the right time came, 
God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us, adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. Now, oh, this is the good part. Now, you are no longer slaves, but God's own children. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. The father's love, being a son to the father. Now, I don't know about you, but our perception of what it means to be a good father especially in this country, is very different than it was 100 years ago. Okay, I was really blessed. I have a great dad that is still alive. He loved me. He cares about me. He still does to this day. And as I'm looking back, as I'm holding these kids, I realized all the times that my dad loved me, all the times that we went hiking, all the times that we went bike riding, all the times that we tried to fix something in the house, but it never really was fixed, I mean, there's a, there's a thing in the Lang household where if the Lang men are going to fix something in an hour, it's going to take all day because we don't know how to fix things. <laughs> but I had this realization of all the times my dad loved me and cared about me and sacrificed for me. And in that one moment of holding my kids, I'm like, man, I want to love my kids the way that my dad loves me. I want them to realize it, to know it, to never question it. I want them to know that I want to provide everything that they can ever need. I want them to have a stable family. And God is the same way. God wants to provide for every need that you've ever had or ever will have. He wants to give you what you need. He wants to give you a stable foundation. He wants to adopt you into his family. So I'm going to make this really easy today. My first point is super simple, but mind-blowing. You are the son or the daughter of an active and loving father. Now, those two words before father, loving and active, are really the, the game changers here. You see, almost all of us have a father because, well, we're here, but the quality of a father matters. And if you don't believe me, how about this? Have you ever heard the statistics for an absentee father? Have you ever read them? So if you go onto fatherhood.org, here's a few statistics. This is, this is scary. Fatherhood.org slash father dash absent slash statistics, if anyone's interested. Children without a father, stepfather, or adopted father are four times more likely to be in poverty. Seven times more likely to be pregnant as a teen. Two times more likely to drop out of school. They're more likely to go to prison. They're more likely to face abuse or neglect. They're more likely to commit a crime. They're more likely to experience depression. 279% more likely to commit a violent crime with a gun. And I think the worst statistic of all, they're more likely to be absentee fathers themselves. Now, why is that the worst? Because the cycle continues. If you've ever questioned what a father can do, the statistics of people without a father answer that. But oftentimes in our culture, we've thought of God as either an absent father where he created us, but he actually doesn't care about what we're going through right now. He's not really alive in our lives right now. Or we think of him as an abusive father that the moment that you mess up, he's going to zap you with lightning. 
But God's not absent or abusive. He's ardent, which means he's passionate for you. And if you think that God is absent, if you think that he's abusive, you're going to miss some of the best perks of having an active, loving father in your life that wants to provide for everything that you're going through, that will give out of sacrifice for you because he loves you so much. Do you realize that? Because I'll be honest, like I say I do, but in the same way that when I was holding my kids for the first time, I started to really feel it. I understand that I can say from the stage, man, I know that God is my act of loving father. But when I go home, I don't always act that way. I can forget and lose patience. I can stop trusting him when financial situations come. But if God's an active and loving father, then he'll provide when you need it at the right time. Now, he doesn't always change your circumstance but he will always provide what you need in the circumstance. So do you believe that? Do you believe that God is your active and loving father? And maybe you're like me and you think, you know what? I kind of do, but I'm still working on it. And that's okay. That's okay. Because it says in that scripture that we just mentioned that you are no longer a slave now. You're no longer a slave to what was normal and what was considered average in your past life. Now, let me put it like this. It's very simple. My first car that I ever got was a 2006 Toyota Corolla, and it sucked. It was rusty. It barely drives really well. I mean, it literally has a hole punch in the front that I duct taped together because I hit a trailer hitch. Like, this thing is falling apart, okay? But it has good gas mileage, and that's what matters, right? Come on. So this car, for, for some of you teenagers that are just learning how to drive, let me tell you how I learned how to drive. This car has no anti-lock brakes. This car has no cruise control. This car is also very, very skittish on the road, and it has no cameras, what you call it, or backup sensors. So this car is very much true to how people have always driven of, it's a car and we're driving. And I really realized this when I was a senior and I was going over Midpoint Bridge and there was a slight rain. And as I'm driving, my wheels lock up and my back end of my car starts sliding out. It's just, it's the nature of the car. Like that's, it, it's not really that good. It has good gas mileage and that's what matters. But I bought this car at 100,000 miles and I drove this car. I loved this car. I even named it Jeffrey. No joke about that. And at 150,000 miles, something incredible happened. The wheel started to shake profusely. In fact, it even, if you are driving it and you have your hands off the wheel, the wheel would go like this as you're driving. And I'm not touching the wheel. Now, mind you, at the time, I didn't really understand like what a car is or how to fix things. So I thought, well, it's an old car. That's just how it's supposed to be. That's how we're supposed to drive it. So I drove that thing for another thousand miles with that, with the steering wheel going all messed up, with it being really bumpy, like it literally would shake on the highways. And I'm like, oh, this is how it normally is. And I thought that was normal until my dad got into the car and I had to drive him someplace. And he's noticing how hard this car is shaking and how my wheel is moving on its own. And he's like, Drew, we got a problem here. You got to fix something. Like, I bet it's your tire. I'm like, what? It's not my tire. I've already checked my tire. My tire 
looks just like this, completely fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it has perfect tread. There's nothing wrong. He's like, okay, turn the wheel. Turn the wheel. Okay, so I turned the wheel, and I noticed there's a little dent right here in my car. Oh, and that's also not the only one. There's another one right there, too. And I don't know if you can see on the inside, but there's tread marks that are breaking on the inside. I was driving on this thing thinking it was completely fine. And then my dad tells me, oh, yeah, that should have broken like a month ago. You should have like lost your wheels. In fact, I actually just drove on the highway the day before. So if I drove on that highway, and I don't know how in the world, but if it popped, I probably could have died. <laughs> like the car is not really safe. But even though I thought it was normal, it doesn't necessarily make it right. It wasn't the best that I could have done. Even though it was normal, it was what I expected. It's how I've always driven it. And I had no other question as to why. But when I had a loving, caring father who pointed the fact out that that's actually not normal, that's not safe, you need a new tire, I realized I've been driving it the wrong way the entire time. And I want you to understand something very, very carefully. Your old life before you were saved, it may have seemed normal that you were getting abused, but abuse is not God's best for you. Addiction is not God's best for you. Even though it seems, that's all how we've, we've always done it. That's how my family's done it. That's how my grandparents have done it. That's how my great grandparents have done it. I understand that. I'm just letting you know, that's not God's best for you. That is not God's best for you. And here's the crazy part. You could be saved and never get your tires fixed. But one day they will blow on a highway and it will break more than just your tire. You can go your entire life and never realize the second point that you are no longer a slave. You can go your entire life and never realize that. And you'll be semi-successful, but I'm just going to let you know there will come a point where you hit a crash and it's going to hurt and break more than just you. That is not God's best for you. So let, let me use a pun. Will God retread your life? That's really lame. <laughs> Will you allow God to redo the way that you run your life? And I'm just going to let you know, that sounds kind of easy as, as me just saying it, but it involves tearing up roots in your life that have been there for a long time and it hurts. But I'm letting you know the alternative is not better. Choosing to let God refix your wheels on your life is far greater than any pain or struggle that you could go through because it leads to something better. You see, what I think that is incredible about the statistics for absentee fathers is that Anyone that's dealing with absentee fathers are under those statistics. Like they have a more likely chance to go that way. However, the moment that it even doesn't say a biological father, it says a step or adopted father. The moment that some other person comes into your life, they're able to choose another path. So I want you to understand that once you are saved and you're adopted into the family, that's not it. Romans 8, 1 says this, for now there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. I know what you've done. And for some of you, I don't even know who you are. 
I understand that people have called you a liar. People have called you a cheat. People have called you a failure. And you've been known as something. But when you are saved and adopted into the family, you don't have to be known by that anymore. That is no longer your life. You don't have to live that way. So my third and final point, and this is something I'm still trying to learn. You are an heir to God's freedom. So it's, it's not, understand this, you are not some son that is hated in the family of God. You are loved so much that you will inherit everything that God has for you. He loves you so much that your entire life may have been known as failure, not anymore. Because he's that good. Now, as I've gotten older and I've started to have friends and now some extended family that are in the foster care system and adoption, I've started to really understand this in a deeper level, okay? When you are in the foster care system, you find a house and you are adopted officially, there's a few things that happen. First off, your name changes, right? Like, usually different last name. You might even change your first name because you're trying to get rid of some of the past feelings that you've had as, uh, as you were in the foster system from some past parents. Your situation changes. Your circumstance changes. Your, the way you love people changes. Your family changes. Your stability changes. But here's the crazy thing. A kid who's been abused and neglected his entire life can go to a strong and stable family and it somehow like doesn't compute in their head So they will rebel and act like they are still in a broken family when in reality, they're in a good spot. God can give them stability. The family can give them stability, but if they don't choose to accept that stability, they will act as if they are hurting and broken the entire time. So I want you to understand, you're no longer a slave to what you used to do. You are an heir to God's love. But if you don't accept it, that's okay. You can still be a Christian. You can still live your life, but you'll be missing out on some of the best parts. That when you're adopted into God's family, you gain stability and freedom. That the way you used to live is no longer the way that you have to live anymore. That you may have been a family of liars and cheats, but you can change that. Because who you are is completely different. You've been changed. Now, I don't know about you, but I, as a person, sometimes struggle with this because I think that I'm supposed to know everything and that I'm already figured this out. And then I come to a realization where I thought I knew God one way and it turns out I don't really live that way. But when I read the scripture, Galatians 4 and 7, I'm just brought back to the fact of I am adopted heir. First Peter 2.10 says this, once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people. Once you have received no mercy, but now you've received mercy. So when you're an heir, you not only receive stability, you not only receive freedom, but you receive mercy too. Do you realize that? Your life does not have to end the way that it started. You know, I'm starting to understand this a bit more. Uh, with these kids. And a lot's happened in the 15 days that they've been alive. Like, a lot. For example, supposed to take them to their first pediatrician uh, appointment, office thingy. 
that very first appointment, I wanted to leave an hour early so that we'd be there 30 minutes on time. For all the parents that are in the room, you know how impossible that is right there. I had no idea that they made the clothes for the, pre, for the preemies so difficult to unsnap. Like, what the heck? I just want to take off a kid's diaper and you're like, I got to do surgery. And who knew that a four pound, 15 ounce year old kid can do jujitsu and attack my hand the way it does? Ben, you can come on up if you want. This ki- these kids are insane. So on the day that I'm supposed to take them to the pediatrician's office, all I have to do, one simple job, just one, I have to change Reese's diaper. Okay, how hard should that be? I change her diaper, and as thank you, she throws up on me. Uh, okay, I've been thrown up before by this kid. This is okay. They, parents tell you that kids are going to throw up on you and poop on you. They, have, they don't tell you that they'll do it six times while they're screaming, and you're supposed to leave. So... I'm holding this kid and aiming it at like, I'm aiming it at the thing, like the the washcloth, because it keeps projectile vomiting. So I'm literally doing this. And as I'm doing this, it's diapers off. It poops again right on me. And now I'm freaking out, okay? My wife is in the other corner. The dogs are acting up and she's holding a kid. So she's freaking out. We're going to be late. It's already 30 minutes past when we were supposed to go. And I'm like, what? How do you have this much vomit? Why are you doing, do you not love me? What are you doing as I'm holding a kid as it vomits correctly? And you know what's the worst part? I'm going to have to do the same thing tomorrow. And the next day. And the next day it's not going to be Reese. It's going to be Ryder who decides to poop. And I had no idea. Do you know that like kids just poop up their spine and it's disgusting? And I'm going to do this every single day, every single day until they get out of their diapers. And then there's going to be something else that I'm going to do every single day. And I'm going to tell you this. My parents always told me, you know, we cleaned up your throw up constantly. And I never understood that. But now I do that there are things that I'm going to do for this child that they will never know. They will never fully understand the amount that we have sacrificed, the amount of time that we put in, all the late nights, all the times that we're like, we don't even know if we're going to make it, man. All the sleepless hours, all the times that the baby's crying, all the times we're trying to make it on time and we just can't because things are just going wrong. They will never know all those times. But as a dad, they don't have to know. I'll continue to do it every day because I love my kids. I just want to, I want to blow your mind for a second. God will do stuff he has and will continue to. He will do stuff in your life that you will never fully understand, that you will never know, and he's completely fine with that because he loves you. And he'll keep doing it. You can't get out of it. You're a son or a daughter. You're in the love triangle. It's happening. No matter what you do, you can't run away from God's love. So as a dad, and as I'm growing and starting to understand this, I realize, wow, God loves me. He cares about me. And I need to start walking that a bit more. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've come in here and you're like, this, this is my first time at Golfside. And this crazy, tall, skinny, white kid's just screaming from the stage. What the heck? And maybe you've been here for a long time and you, you know the ropes, you know how this goes, that we stand up for worship, then sit down for a sermon, then stand up for worship again. But I, all I ask, all I'm trying to say 
is that even though I'm, I think I figured it out, I still am learning how to accept God's love as an active and loving father, that I'm no longer a slave to my past, but in fact, I'm an heir to freedom, stability, and mercy. Have you accepted that? And the best part is that even if you had never done that, today is always the start. Even if you've done it before, you've ran, run away from God, today you can always come clean. There's never a time where he won't accept you. So will you do that today? Let's pray. Dear God, uh, thank you just for, for being here. This is something that I'm still trying to figure out. I'm still trying to learn that no matter how many times I might mess up, you still love me because you're an active and loving father. And Lord, I, I forget that. I think that your love might change. I think that you might appreciate me less now than you did when I was first saved, but that's all lies. That's not who you really are. So Lord, I pray in this place as, as we sit here and as we are about to worship, that we have a realization that you are a loving and active father who cared so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross just for us in our worst. And that you would continue to do that every day if you had to, just to bring them home. So Lord, I pray that we run to the father. I pray that we run to you with arms wide open, that we realize that you're always there. Lord, I thank you for what you've done, but Lord, I praise you for what you're about to do.